Welcome to the Alchemy of Business Show with your host, Steve Rogers. The Alchemy of Business Show is a podcast that mixes practical, actionable business solutions with soulful insights for anyone seeking deeper meaning in their lives and greater success in their work. Steve will be featuring purpose-driven leaders from all walks of life and getting insight into their journeys from failures to triumphs. So tune in to Transition, Transform, and Evolve in every dimension of your business and life. And now your host of the Alchemy of Business show, Steve Rogers. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for a treat. It is my absolute honor to introduce to you the host of the Alchemy of Business, Mr. Steve Rogers. Thank you, Joshua. And thank you for everyone who might be viewing or listening in. And yes, welcome to the Alchemy of Business show. We are here talking about things in life and business that help create higher purpose, help us all make wiser decisions, and ultimately in our businesses and life have more profit and abundance. And we do this by speaking with leaders and executives and entrepreneurs and uh, thought leaders and medical professionals, uh, physical fitness coaches, all kinds of things. But today you are in, as Joshua said, for a real, real treat. This is like a pinnacle of guests to have on your show and not only have on my show, but I'm honored to uh, introduce this next gentleman as a man who's been friends with me uh, over 20 plus years, started out as a mentor and in a business relationship, but became a very, very dear friend and still is. So we have with us today, Mr. Brian Tracy. Brian is somebody who is renowned in the world at various levels, not only in the entrepreneurial space, but as an author, as a writer, as a businessman, as a mentor. He's written over 75 to 80 plus books. He's going to tell me the exact number. I know when I was Googling him again the other day, just checking out some of his recent stuff he's doing, one of the things I had was like 189 million different impressions on that one impact. Brian, I met many, many years ago um, when I was reading one of his books, we're going to talk about many, but the first way I was introduced to Brian was through focal point coaching, which helps not only uh, coaching, but really people creating business and life plans. I was like, I have got to meet this man. So I was honored to be able to go meet Brian and we have been friends ever since. So we're going to be talking with Brian today about life, family, legends, business, and purpose. So let's welcome Mr. Brian Tracy. Thank you very much. I'm I'm so happy to be with you, Steve. Uh, you know, you and I go back s throughout most of our business career. We've been together, uh, going back and forth. So I'm just a, just delighted to be with you. Well, I am delighted to be with you, Brian. You were really one of my far away mentors of people that I started following, and really when I started getting into learning more about uh, self development and growth and leadership. I couldn't get enough of your books. So when I finally met you at, at our first workshop, that was very serendipitous that I got into because it was like there was no spaces, nothing was open. And uh, one of the, I kept calling your assistant, Michelle, who's still uh, with you today. Uh, and I said, I've got to get in this workshop. It was a really small, intimate leadership mastermind you did around the focal point coaching thing. And about two, a week before so, one of the participants' wife uh, went into early labor, like almost a month early. So it was really unexpected he couldn't make it. They said, Steve, would you like the spot? I cleared my calendar and I spent months with you on various weeks after week going through this process. And that really helped change a big trajectory of my life. You got me thinking about what do I want to do 20 years from now? Who do I want to be? So I want to thank you for you having the systems and processes to help people change their lives. So let's talk about your life today, Brian. I, you and I have, have talked many times over lunches and, and business meetings and in different settings. But I, I was looking again about your journey through the Sahara Desert uh, uh, the other day. And I was talking with you about that when we had lunch a few months ago. And I, I want to chat with you at this stage of your life. You know, you're in your, your uh, more senior years than you are in your new uh, teen and 20 years. Uh, <laughs> and in your teen and 20 years, you, were, you had this inmate energy that you had to go find and see things in the world. So let's talk about from that young man that had this quest to go out and learn about the world and then impact the world at, at later years in life. Where did that inner power and energy come from of this quest? Well, it's, it's an interesting question. Uh, many, many years ago, I read an observation that said that successful people when they are young read the biographies uh, and life stories of other successful people and when they grow up, people write stories about them. And so what I found is that people who are going to be successful when they grow up, 
uh, seem to be magnetically attracted to reading and learning about other successful people. So my uh, mother used to take me to the library every Saturday morning. And this is the time when there were libraries. And I was living in Pomona, California. And she would take me to the library and I would check out the maximum 10 books. And they would all be biographies and stories of people who had accomplished wonderful things with their lives. I would take them home and I would read them all week long. I would read these books. And the next Saturday morning, I took the 10 books back. I got 10 new books. And over the years, I immersed myself in the success stories of other successful people. And what happens is you literally program yourself to be that kind of a person when you grow up. And so even today, I still read. I read two to three hours a day. I subscribe to a series of business uh, magazines. I still buy books that I don't. They say, they say human beings are people who buy books who, that they know they'll never have time to read <laughs> like you. If you look at your home, I can guarantee you you're surrounded by books. Uh, and you, you're and right. You, and you keep meaning, by gum, I'm going to read that book. And then you don't have time. But then another Amazon ad comes along and you say, boy, that looks like a good book. So you just click and you order it. What's it? What's it? What's 10 or $20 for a book? And the book goes onto the stack. <laughs> well, I, I can tell you that I do the same thing. I have many of those books, but I can tell you that on yours and some of my other mentors, I actually do read them and get through them or I go through the summaries or I go back and reference them. And what's great about since your books have been written, um, you have a great team that also has when the Internet started becoming even, you know, uh, in the early days, you were one of the people that said, I've got to also convert my readings to online content. So people right. you know, that aren't reading, per se, at least they're seeing you on video or they're seeing other mentors or leaders in clips. So the sound bites of this this wisdom Truth comes through no matter what, whether it's in, you know, so your truth shines. And, you know, as a young man, I was always intrigued because you and I had that in common. I moved out of my house when I was really young and I barely graduated high school uh, and got on and, and got into the, the sales world and the corporate world as you did. Um, but you, I, I, I remembered that in reading some of your stuff the other day. I forgot that you also had challenges in high school. And then later years, I think in your 30s, you kind of skipped past the college port, but then went on to college to get your master's degree, I believe. So yes. you were this guy that you had all this reading going on. And I don't I couldn't remember if you had trouble in high school or you didn't finish high school. I, but was, I, I actually, I, actually um, I finished high school uh, without graduating. I left without graduating. I got what was called a leaving certificate. <laughs> and, and you open up your leaving, everybody's in line, you all have your gowns on, and all the other students received a diploma. And I went up on the stage too, and I received a leaving certificate, but nobody in the audience knew the difference. And you open up, my joke is you open up the leaving certificate and it says goodbye. <laughs> well, and you took that quite literally because that you were in Canada at that time, right? Or were you yes. in California? Yeah. Yes. So you grew up in, in Canada, but then you went on this quest and you you and your you and convinced your buddies. I guess you were in sales at an early age because you convinced like three or four guys to go to Actually, Europe and then the Europe biking thing didn't work out, but then you traveled through the Sahara desert. Like how many people go, I'm going to go travel through the desert. So can you give us a little quick story about that? Cause I'm, I was, I well, love that, that book that you wrote about. And when you and I have talked about that personally, I'm always intrigued that you even wanted to do that, let alone were able to successfully do it. So, well, you know, it's interesting. I was just doing an interview recently and one of the people called in and said that the book, a success is a journey, which is my story of the Sahara crossing that changed his life completely. And now he's, he's a huge success. But he said it's the most important book he ever read, which is very great compliment because the book became a bestseller worldwide, but not in the U S um, it was a successful in German. It was successful in Icelandic. It was successful in Chinese. It was absolutely amazing. And it sold, it was, it was the best selling book in South Korea for 14 editions. It was the best-selling book in, um, uh, in Taiwan uh, for something like 10 editions. And it sold thousands and thousands and thousands of books. Uh, and I didn't know about it until I went there. And when I went there, the 
my my audience in in Seoul in South Korea was like two three thousand people. They filled the whole downtown of the city. And I where did all these people going? He said they read your book. <laughs> they read your book. Anyway, so we we were working in sawmills on the west coast and around in and around Vancouver, and we started talking about going off and traveling. And we'd we'd driven all the way around the U.S. and Canada, but we started talking about going overseas. And so um, four of us started talking. One of them fell in love, and we lost him. So the three of us set off to see the world, and we drove all the way across Canada and down through Chicago and up and eventually to uh, Montreal, and where the ships were. And we went and we went on the uh, docks going from ship to ship to ship, applying for a job. And they all said, no, 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 no. And my two friends, I still remember this, my two friends said, the heck with this, we're going to take our share of the money. We had $1,000. Each of us had $333 all in an account. They said, we're going to take our money and buy passage on a ship to uh, England, and then we will tough it out and, and travel. And I said, but if, if you quit the first time that you have an adversity, you'll always quit. Is you'll set a pattern, a, a subconscious pattern for quitting. And your and your default setting will be when you have uh, obstacles or difficulties, quit. And they said, oh, no, no, no. We're just going to quit this one time. <laughs> and so I said, okay, good luck to you. And they bought passage on a freighter. It was not expensive. And they went to England and I stayed in Montreal and I worked in construction and I uh, got up at five o'clock in the morning and took buses all the way to my construction job and worked all day and then took buses back. And during this time I had a turning point and I still remember this. The turning point was when I was sitting in my little uh, crummy apartment, had two rooms. One room had a, uh, a, a foldable couch that became a bed, and there's a little ba- there's a little um, kitchen next to it. And I was sitting there. It's 35 degrees below zero outside. Uh, I had no money. I couldn't go out. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is my life. I'm 20 years old, and this is my life. And it's not going to change unless I change. And here's the magic words: I am responsible. I am responsible for my life. And I still remember that sitting there at that little kitchen in that little apartment, realizing that I am responsible. And when I began teaching many years later, the first lesson is always, I am responsible. They are magic words. They are. When When you accept responsibility, you become positive, you become constructive, you become empowered, you you realize you 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 stop blaming or making excuses. The number one reason for failure is blaming others for your problems and making excuses. So from that point onward, you refuse to do it. Well, I still remember I went back and I was working on construction of this huge building. And down below, there was a shopping center. And one of the stores was a bookstore. And I began going to that bookstore and buying books and taking them home and reading them and buying books and taking them home and reading. I just bought and read and bought and read and bought and read. I've now read 6,000 books. Wow. And I've written, to answer your question, I've written 91 books. 91. Not not just 91. I I have published with major publishers, including the biggest publishers in the world, came to me and said, Brian, write us four books. We want four books. Now, anybody's ever been in writing knows that people will write a book and they'll pour their heart into it. And then they'll go from publisher to publisher to publisher. They'll send manuscripts and letters. They'll do everything possible to get a publisher to publish them. And no publisher will. The average book today sells 1,200 copies before it dies. And I have reached the point where the biggest publishers in the world come to me Right. Say, Please write us a book. Yeah. And you do, and you do it like uh, people when they get into regular exercise routines. You have a system that I want to talk about when we come back from the break about right. you do at least four books a year because you have part of your DNA that you just write. But listeners, right. please stay listening in. We're going to come back with Brian. I want to hear more about the power of taking responsibility. 
uh, and how your life can change. And we want to hear how the Sahara Desert uh, story turns out. And then we're going to jump into Brian and talk some more about leadership, also leaving a legacy. And we're also going to be talking about family and faith. So come back and join us. We'll be back in one minute. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. Whether you're listening on a podcast, or you might be watching this on video or Roku somewhere, welcome back. Uh, we are talking to Mr. Brian Tracy, uh, who's written over 90 plus books, has traveled the world, and we're hearing about stories on one of his first journeys. And I asked him uh, after the break uh, if he'd come back and finish how his story about traveling through the Sahara Desert, of all things, in his early 20s, how those parables of life uh, came to him. Uh, through this journey and and uh, how this the story ended up with the Sahara Desert. So, Brian, uh, how did you get those guys to even agree to go through the Sahara? Uh, and when do you think it was the hardest? The what were some of the hardest moments on that the Sahara Desert journey? And then when did it end? Just a short version, and then I want to jump into some of the other stuff we were talking about. Okay. So you you like me to begin? Uh, yes, please. It's all. all right. I, I turn it over yeah. to you. Wherever you so want to pick up the story. Here, here at. we are. We finished high school. Um, we didn't do particularly well. We were working at Salmos as laborers, and we set off to see the world. And at that time, uh, everybody was going to Europe with backpacks, and they were backpacking around and staying at hostels and so on. And we said, well, if everybody is going to Europe with backpacks, that's no big deal. We should go somewhere where nobody's going. Let's go to Africa. <laughs> Let's go to Africa. And we uh, never stopped to ask, why is it that no one else was going to Africa? Well, we, we found, and I had one, this one page from a, a school atlas that showed all of Europe and Africa on the same page. And that was our working page, is the one page. And so you had, you had England and the Nordic countries up here, and then you had Europe, and then you had Africa, and you had this yellow part, this yellow patch on the African map which was called the Sahara Desert. And we said, well, we'll just whip past that and get down to the green part, uh, which would be more interesting. But we didn't realize that the Sahara Desert, this is the biggest desert in the history of the world. There's, oh, yeah. It was thousands. And, and it wasn't a, a desert like we have in the U.S. This, de this desert had not a blade of grass, not a fly. It was as dead as you The temperature went to 100 and 40 degrees in the daytime. And oh, so we, we set off and away we went and we had breakdown after breakdown after breakdown. And in retrospect, we said, thank heavens, if we didn't have the breakdowns, we would have died in the desert. One of the little stories I tell is that as we were traveling across North Africa and Algeria, um, people would say, where are you going? And uh, what are you asking? I said, well, we're going to cross the... Uh, the Sahara Desert and going to Africa. And and these were Bedouins and Tuaregs. These were desert people. And they said, oh, you can't do that. You'll die in the desert. And I said, no, no, no. I learned French so I could travel. You know, vous allez mourir dans le bus. Vous allez mourir dans le bus. And I said, well, wait a minute. I had to look at my dictionary. What is vous allez? It means you will die in the desert. Oh, no. And I said, I said no, we're not going to die in the desert. They said, oh, yes. They got, you know, you, you, everybody dies in the desert if they don't go with a convoy. And I said, well, that can't be true. I mean, for us, we were just optimistic kids, North American kids. We'll just, we just whip across the yellow part on our map. And, um, uh, and we started off and the vehicle broke down and everything broke down and we lost all our money. And, and finally, we got to the edge of the desert. And it was called the uh, Sahara Escarpment. And this high place, and you look out, and you can see a hundred miles, and the desert was so huge that we realized why they said we were going to die in the desert. It was enormous, but by this time our vehicle was ready. We had bro it broke it down and broke it down and broken down, and we realized in retrospect that if the vehicle hadn't broken down, we would have died in the desert. Wow! So we crossed, and we met some Germans, four Germans. They were crossing in a Volksbus, and we decided we'd cross together. And so we went parallel across the desert. 
and uh, their vehicle broke down over and over again. And we sort of finally towed them the last part of the desert. And we got to the far side, 500 miles of flat desert. We got to a little a border post on the far side and where we left our German friends. And I went back to Germany later in years and met with them and traveled with them again. But anyway, that was that was the starting point. And what I realized is that uh, and I, I gave a, se a seminar on this. I was asked by the Million Dollar Roundtable to do a talk. And so I thought, well, I'll do a talk about crossing the desert. And so, and because that's what they wanted, motivational, upbeat. Right, right. And as, as I wrote the talk, I, I got deeper and deeper into it. And then I went down, I sat in front of a panel and I gave the talk and they sat there silently and they said, could you leave the room please? While we discuss your talk. So I left the room and I came back half an hour later. They said, they said, uh, we like your talk very much. If you could do more of this and less of this, a little bit more emphasis here, we'll take it. And I drew, I designed the talk around seven key principles. And I went and I gave it to 5,000 people in Montreal at the annual meeting of the Million Dollar Roundtable. And it got a standing ovation. It was recorded audio and video. It was distributed all over the world. And I only gave that talk once. I rehearsed it 50 times. I walked and back and forth and walking and I gave it exactly word for word they said you must not deviate from the version that we have approved and so I said okay and so I gave that talk and it had seven rules for life and one of them was that when you start off anything new or different people will tell you you can't do it you won't be successful you'll lose all your time you'll lose all your money you will in effect die in the desert and I said, you have to overcome negative people all your life to be successful. You must overcome negative people and you must press on and you must keep going and you must decide in advance that you will never, never give up. You'll never quit. And so um, that was the crossing of the desert. And we finally got to the far side and we got to the banks of the Niger River and we fell down. We hadn't slept for three days it's an incredible story and we just fell down on the ground and went unconscious and the next morning we woke up on the banks of the river in in uh, in sub-saharan africa and then we started traveling again and we spent another two months getting from there to johannes to get getting to, there for, to the congo and through the congo we flew to johannesburg it was the most amazing thing and we didn't even realize we were having a crash course on survival life yeah and survival in life yeah, yeah well, and i look at that on the stories that i've heard from you that now that i've known you for 20 plus years of the various sahara deserts that you have had to travel in your own life through going from i mean for a while you lived in your car uh you were homeless for a while and you still worked and you still so and you figured out how to make a living and then you know, becoming an author, people, you know, had roadblocks in your face, you know, businesses that you had that thought were going to be successful, that you had challenges that you overcame or clients that you've overcame uh, in different things. I know you've had the health issues when I have known you for years, but there was a period of time within one year, uh, and this was online, so I know it's public, but you had throat cancer and to have throat cancer as a speaker, talk about fear. And then you had your torn rotator cuff. And I remember we were at lunch and you said, Steve, the cancer thing, yeah, it's kind of a pain, but the torn rotator cuff, you said, that is just a pain. <laughs> you were, it was so interesting that it was like, here, I was so worried about your cancer thing. And you were like, oh, but this torn rotator, but you just kept going. You stayed clear. You did what you had to do. You stayed focused. You looked at the bigger picture. Uh, and you also tied into higher power and higher stuff that I want to come back and talk about on the next segment. We have about three minutes left on this one. But I, I was always the reason I wanted to spend so much time on that story opening up, because to me, when I was reading all of your leadership books like Focal Point Coaching or Absolute Unbreakable Laws of Success or um, all of your other great books that have processes and steps in them that you're great about doing. That story of a journey for me was the story of our soul's journey, our life's journey, our human condition of yes. the trials and tribulations of life. So I love that 
you carried that through. And then, you know, I'm sure going through that desert, you didn't think you'd be going on to become a, a, a world renowned um, top speaker and author while you're in the middle of a broken down truck in the desert. But you obviously knew there was a purpose beyond that, right? <laughs> so let, let, let me just, we have two minutes left here. Yeah, just want to pass on two, two thoughts. Uh, one is what I call the golden triangle of success. And the golden triangle of success is three parts. Part number one, and this is consistent with the life stories of all great men and women. Part number one is you realize that you are responsible for your own life. And in my seminars, as you know, I teach people to say the words, I am responsible. I am responsible. Because when you, when you accept responsibility, you stop blaming and making excuses. All negativity comes from blaming. And all success comes from accepting responsibility. That's the first part of the triangle. If you don't get past that, nothing else will work for you. Number two is setting goals. And you and I have talked about this is goal setting, the ability to write down a goal. I say we took 17,000 miles and nine months to get from Vancouver to Johannesburg. But the most important thing was setting the goal and writing it down and then working it out. And then the third part that you and I love is continuous learning. Continuous learning. Keep studying and learning everything you need to learn to achieve the goal. And so sometimes I say, well, what is the goal? You say, well, here's the goal. And then now what do you do? Well, what you do is you learn everything you need to learn in order to achieve the goal. And you and I are lifelong students. We cannot stop learning. One of the great turning points in my life was the discovery of Aristotle's great law, the law of causality, which is the law of cause and effect. It says that if you uh, want to achieve a certain goal, find someone else who has achieved that goal and do the same things they did until you achieve the same goal. And so I, one of the things I've taught, I have the best-selling book worldwide called uh, The 21 Success Secrets of Self-Made Millionaires. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that book is in multiple languages everywhere. And basically, if you want to be a millionaire, here's how millionaires think and act, 21 keys. Yeah. And I've had countless people who've gone from rags by the beginning of reading that book and reading or listening to it every day. And within a year, they were millionaires. And they've told me, they come up to me at my seminars. They say, I could not believe it. Could not believe it. So that's what I wanted to cover, the golden triangle. Yeah, that's great. And, and yeah. the fact that you, if you want to become a millionaire and everybody here either wants to become a millionaire or is a millionaire, then there's now we have tens of thousands. We have millions of millionaires in the world today all of whom, 87%, started off with nothing, and now they're millionaires. So if all those people can do it, then you can do it as well. Yeah, agreed. Well, that one, we're going to come back and talk about that, listeners and viewers, even more, because Brian is great. Not only is he a great storyteller and he's lived a full life, but he is phenomenal about breaking things down in simplicity, making process and steps that are duplicatable and repeatable. So we're going to come back and talk about that. If you wanted to increase your wealth, if you wanted to become a millionaire, become more of a millionaire, become a billionaire and create more abundance in your life beyond just the money portion, Brian has segments that he helps his people break down into financial, spiritual, relationship, community. And so we're going to come back and talk about those things. How do you take all these goals? How do you take responsibility? How do you get through the Sahara Desert or life? Come back and find out more with Mr. Brian Tracy on the Alchemy of Business Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you guys are enjoying your time. I know I am. There has been so much wisdom here. I want to encourage you for these next segments Uh, to get out your notepad because you're going to want to take notes if you haven't been already. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great pleasure for me to reintroduce to you Mr. Steve Rogers. Thank you, everybody, for listening back in or viewing back in. You are on the Alchemy of Business show or viewing the Alchemy of Business show. And as I said earlier, I'm honored to have Mr. Brian Tracy here. We've been talking about travels through Sahara deserts, taking responsibility, success, becoming a millionaire, uh, creating goals. 
And Brian, uh, thank you for, again, all this, this uh, wisdom that you, uh, I, I get this from you on this podcast and I love it. And I love that you've given me this wisdom through workshops, through books, through our lunches, through your example. And that's one thing I tell people all the time about when they ask me, you know, about some of the mentors that I have. And sometimes I've had mentors or people that I've looked to, and sometimes people don't always live up to what you hope they would be or who they are. And what I have to say about you is in your commitment to your life being of service, your four kids, your wife, Barbara, and your work and your contribution of being a servant leader. When I first heard the word servant leadership, I immediately thought of you. I said, wow, Brian is really a servant leader, meaning that he he leads and he's a great leader and he's strong, but he does it from a sense of being of service to others. So um, can you share with me when you got uh, on this path of realizing that you were gonna write, uh, that you wanted to become a speaker and then a writer, uh, how long after your journey through the desert and then being in sales did that realization come to you that that this was going to be your life's path? Well, it, it, it's not something that you decide. Uh, basically, it's something that's conferred upon you. And so what I did in the first 10 years of your life, uh, basically, you just survive. You try this and you try that and you lose money and you get fired and cheated and robbed and you have all kinds of experiences. And the thing is, you just keep on going. And, and this is one of the things that I learned very early is you just never give up. You never quit. And most of the things that you try won't work. So you try something else and you try something else. I was getting into my uh, late 20s and I started to be successful in selling and then in recruiting salespeople and then in training salespeople. And then I built a six-country network of 95 salespeople generating millions of dollars in investment sales every month. It was the most amazing thing because when I started off for six months, I couldn't make a sale mm. because I didn't know what I was doing. And then what I learned was this law of causality is that if you can have any goal that you want to achieve, find someone else who's achieved the goal and learn what they learn and do the same thing. So mm. I thought, wow, I'm going to teach this to other people. And so I first started off, I became very successful in sales. And then I began to teach other people and they became successful in sales. And now I have friends all over the world who are millionaires, who mm -hmm. own their own businesses, who have big, big houses on the hills, as right. I say, and yeah. things, things that I taught them. And then after I started speaking, which is quite remarkable, I've been to several seminars. I was eager to learn and I thought I could do better. And it's very interesting. This is number one reason why people start a new business is they're in that business and they think they can do better. I could do better than the person I'm working for. So they start off and I started off in speaking. And when you start off in a new business, boy, you learn an awful lot very fast. I say, I joke. I say, when I started speaking, I learned how to sell again. I sold my house. I sold my car. I sold my, my refrigerator. I sold everything that I had and borrowed money from everybody that I knew to stay alive. And it took, was like, and I said, it was very much like a plane going into a dive. And, and what happens, I learned later that every single business startup is a race against time. Will you start to earn more money than it's costing you before you go broke? And as many as 99 out of 100 new business ventures go broke. In other words, the plane crashes. So what happens if you're really fortunate, you pull the plane out of the dive, you pull it out of the dive, and you start to earn more than it's costing you to be in business, and the plane starts to rise. And there's a whole series of spaces. First of all, you change, you, you, you go past the break-even point, and you actually start to make more money. And then you reach a point where you have to stop. And Peter Drucker talks about this. You have to stop. And you have to organize the business from a basically survival business to a real business. You have to have accounting and you have to have marketing. You have to have business planning. You have to have, have, have everything and you have to get organized because if you don't, you will go broke. Yeah, the plan, the plan absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and when you were uh, when I first sought you out, not only did I go to your seminars, but then I had a mission in my goals to keep my business successful. I was in the real estate business running real estate offices, and I was very focused on learning how to be better in sales and to make more profit for the company in which we were, were running and yes. to take these functions. So you were really great in your 
whether it was the focal uh, book or whether it was absolute uh, unbreakable laws, yes. your process or step, I think Joshua's got a few slides here of some of the things that you talk about in these principles about how do you do these things. I mean, one of the things you, you told the group and then me separately is, Steve, if you don't have a clear vision about where you want to go, and for those of you that aren't seeing the screen, if you're on the podcast, I'm showing something where Brian had this thing about doing it has an annual theme. So it's in many of his books about goal setting, how to uh, and, and the book that I always reference, because it was my core one that I uh, started with him, is um, the the different, he has an exercise, which is diamond mining. He has an exercise, which is figuring out your hourly rate. I'm going to have him comment on those in a few minutes. But this theme, if you're seeing my screen, uh, breaking your life down into what are your health goals, your personal goals, your relationships, being of service, spiritual growth, recreation, financial, career. And so having those broken down, that these very clear th thought out life, if your life is not going the way you want it to, in any of these areas, um, Brian really helped teach me and others about taking accountabilities. He's already talked about making that you are responsible and that you have the choice. You have the choice and the power to change. But what is it you're trying to create? You know, Brian has taught many people that you are the masters of your own destiny. You are the co-creators with some higher source or higher power, whether you call that God or energy or universe. But once you start understanding some of these cause of laws, um, you can start uh, taking the steps to do what others have done before you and to duplicate success, whether you're a tech startup, a restaurant, a healthcare provider. These universal principles are key. So Brian, in some of these um, things, as an example, like when I was first um, thinking that hourly rate only applied to an employee, like, and you, I remember you said, well, what do you, what is your hourly rate, Steve? I said, well, Brian, I don't have an hourly rate. I'm you know, salaried and bonused and I have incentives. And I, and you said, well, what's your goal this year for the, you know, and you started breaking it down for me. So can you talk about how all people have an hourly rate if they're looking at where they want to increase or grow? Can we talk about that for just a minute? Yes. Well, one of the things that I learned is that when you start your working life is you start off with an enormous amount of time, but no money. And this is important. And if you're smart, you, you begin to exchange your time for money. And throughout your career, you're exchanging your time for money. Now, when I started off, my first job was washing dishes and I earned $1.12 an hour, $1.12 an hour. Mm. So that's my, that was my trade. And just between you and I, I was a lousy trader. <laughs> and if you work at laboring jobs, you're a lousy trader. So what you need to do is increase the value. So we say, all right, how much do you want to earn in a year? And I would pick a number like $50,000 a year or $100,000. So you said, say, say $50,000 a year. Well, the average person works 2,000 hours a year. It's 2,000 hours. So therefore, if you divide 2,000 by 50, you get $25 an hour. So now you are, you've now decided you're a $25 an hour person. From now on, absolutely refuse to do anything that does not pay you $25 an hour or more. Ask yourself, every minute of every day, would I pay someone else $25 to do what I'm doing right now? And if, and if you wouldn't stop doing it, like slamming the door and turn and start doing things that pay you the amount of money that you want to earn. Now, today, you find that most people, statistics exhausted, waste fully 50% of their time. If they have an eight-hour day, four of those hours is spent wasting their time, drinking coffee, shooting the breeze, checking their email, and so on and so forth. And the answer is stop. Just stop doing it. There's a there's a wonderful, funny, funny skit on television, on, 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 ca on camera, with, with Bob Newhart. And Bob Newhart is a psychiatrist. And people come to him for advice. And so they tell this woman comes to him and pours out her story about how terrible her life is and everything else. He said, okay, I'm going to tell you how to solve your problem. And she said, well, I've been to doctor after doctor. I'll show you how to do it. And she said, okay, what is it? And he says, stop it. <laughs> and, 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 and she says, what? He says, what? But I have all these problems and, and, and I worry about this. He said, stop it. He said, that will be $5. <laughs> And that is it. And I try, and I don't get, I, and I, don't, and I don't get change. Anybody who's watching and talking to us, immediately go online, pull up Bob Newhart on, on YouTube and watch this. Because what he basically says is the way you get over your problems, just stop it. 
and get on with your work. So during the day, refuse to do anything that does not pay you your desired hourly rate. Then continually upgrade your skills so that the value of your work is greater and greater. Today, I could not imagine earning $100 an hour. I'd, I'd cut my wrists if I was earning $100 an hour. Whereas if I was earning that amount a few years ago, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. So ask yourself, do you want to earn $50 an hour, $20, $75, $100 an hour? And what you do is you make a plan. And you look at, if you do 10 things in a given day, one will be worth 80% of what you earn. So constantly focus on doing the things that are the most valuable and getting better and better at them. Yeah. And basically what I just told you is if you want to be rich, that's it. Is make well, a list of everything you do, select the most valuable tasks, and become absolutely excellent at doing those tasks. Yeah, and, th and that was a great le another great lesson I learned from because I took that immediately into at the time realizing, well, I was an hourly employee, but I did want to dramatically increase my income. And I remember when I was thinking, you know, uh, looking at what I wanted to make in a year, whether it was a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. I remember when I first wrote down that I wanted to make a million a year, and I calculated that out and went, wow, that's a lot of money per hour. But it changed my shift about what I was willing to focus on in a day. And what I then did, what I said yes and no to. I mean, you have another exercise you have people do with a stop, start, continue. What are you going to stop doing? What are you going to continue doing? What do you, you know, stop, start, continue. And then that hourly rate thing just got me into shifting about also thinking about delegation. Also in our workshops we did together, you, you talk about when is it time to delegate out? When is it time to have someone else leverage your time? So that really helped me change my thinking about what I could or could not do in a day or a month or a year. So I want to talk a little bit more when we come back on that, because you did that in a really simplistic but powerful way in the book, Eat That Frog. Uh, and for those of you that have heard that title or read that book, that's one of Brian's uh, famous ones. So when we come back from the show, I want to talk about a little bit about Eat That Frog. I'm going to ask Brian if he has his own favorite book. And we're going to get into the G word, talking about God, talking about grace, talking about universal principles, and then what Brian really has his legend that he's looking to have as his uh, uh, time left on the planet here. So we're going to have a powerful last segment. I hope you'll come back and join us and listen in on the Alchemy of Business show. Thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Alchemy of Business show. Whether you are listening in or you are viewing, this is our last segment. We're coming around the curve. This is like Brian, how he felt in the last probably few miles of the desert of his Sahara trip that we talked about in the first segment. We're coming to the last strip here, but it sure has not felt like a Sahara. It's felt uh, like we've had great abundance of water through this whole conversation. So I feel very nourished. So thank you, Brian. Uh, one of the things we were talking about before we got off on the last segment was the power of time, the power of knowing your hourly rate, the power of doing tasks and things where you're going to have your highest and best good for creating the wealth or worth that you want. So one of the books that you wrote on this topic, and you have written many, but there is one called Eat That Frog. Can you tell us about that book and why you came up with that title and why you think it did so well? Well, I, I'm a fanatic about helping people to earn more money, to be more successful, starting off by earning more money, because that is the primary area of concern that people have. And then, of course, health and fitness and family and relationships and so on. But but earning more money. So uh, I wrote a book, a uh, very simple one called uh, Double Your uh, Income, Double Your Time Off. And my uh, publisher said to me, he already published one of my books. He said, if you got anything else that might be of interest? I said, well, this is a great topic. Double your income, double your time off. And so he said, well, send it to me. I sent it to him. He looked at it. He said, I like it. I like the layout, the 21 chapters. He said, but I don't like the, the title. He said, but how cha ever, chapter 15 is Eat That Frog. And it comes from a story by uh, Mark Twain. And he said that if the first thing you do in the morning is you eat a live frog, you'll have the pleasure of knowing that that's probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you all day long. And then he said, and there's a corollary to that, is that if you have to eat a frog at all, eat it right away. Don't sit and look at it for any period of time. And then 
Second is, is you have to eat two frogs, eat the ugliest one first. <laughs> and the frog, the frog is your most important task. It's the job that you need to get done that will contribute more to your life and your work than anything else. And you start and you complete that before anything else. So I wrote this out in this 21 ways that, and, and my publisher said, well, start off by eat that frog, the introduction I just told you, and then uh, uh, set the table, uh, get organized, prepare the ingredients. He said, just run the, the theme of eating a frog through the book. And we thought we'd sell 10,000 copies. So I rewrote it like that. I sent it off to him. They published it. The book has become the worldwide best-selling book on time management in history. Three million copies in 53 languages, and companies are buying thousands of them. It's in every major and minor language in the world. And I know because I get the royalties, and the royalties are sufficient for me to stop working for life because it just sells and sells and sells. And so they came back to me uh, last year, and they said, what else could we do with this theme? And I said, let's write a book for students. And so we have to feed that frog for students. And it's a completely complete rewrite. It's to help students get the, get the top grades, get into the best schools, get the best jobs, paying the most money, and learn how to do that as part of your uh, schoolwork. And so we've released that. And the thing is going ballistic worldwide because every parent has students, they have children that they want to get good grades. In the U.S., they want kids to get into the best colleges. So we teach them how to do that. Yeah. And now we're going to write one on sales. And why? Because every salesperson wants to earn a lot of money. Good. Well, we're going to show you how to do it, how to organize your time and your day minute by minute from the time you get up so that you're earning five or 10 times what you're earning today. So that's where the eat that frog theme came from. And it's very practical. It's, you know, in the, in the, in the military, they have this expression over the loudspeaker. Now do this. Now do this. Well, what I teach is I've written 71 books. My goal is to reach a hundred and every one of them is here's the principle. Here's how it works. Now do this. Every chapter ends with action commitments. What you do specifically now. You yeah. literally close the book and take action. And do it and take action and do it now. Exactly. Uh, and that book um, and many of Brian's books and courses, uh, briantracy.com. We're going to have this in the show notes at the bottom of the show, briantracy.com. You can go in there and uh, check out his stuff. You can also find him, of course, on Amazon. He has massive amount of books on Amazon, but briantracy.com. One of the books beyond what some of we've mentioned, the focal point, the eat that frog, uh, the psychology of selling, but this one on the laws I mean, you can start with this Eat That Frog if you've not read anything by Brian, because it'll give you the simplicity and, and it's powerful and action-packed. And then if you go to this book that I'm looking at right now, Unbreakable Laws, I mean, there's powerful things in about here about the, the law of critical success factors, the law of innovation, the law of investing, the law of converse, uh, conversation, the law of compound, I mean, all these things in here. And then each, each little chapter that cause, is the cause and effect, cause, effect. What, and for whether that's a universal law or that is your own law, things that you do, as Brian was saying, that you are responsible, that they have, that's a cause and effect in your life. And if you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. So I highly recommend digging into some of Brian's stuff and getting these step-by-step -step processes of do this. It's like when you're in a, if, when you would go to a mall or like a SeaWorld or a Disneyland, you have a map and it says you are here. And then you have to know where you are so you can get your bearings to where you're going. Brian has, has created a map for all of us that if we take advantage of, we can create more success, more abundance, more prosperity, more health and uh, love in our lives. Brian, let's jump into the health and love and, and, and uh, those topics about those things and these universal laws. Um, it's interesting that your books uh, are so based on principles and formulas and process because I know that you're a very systematic guy you're very driven, you're really clear and black and white on certain things, and you know what you believe, and you know uh, what works and what you don't, you are always learning more about. And you also um, practice that in your own way in um, 
higher, where does this all come from? Where does this higher energy? So if I were to ask you on the topic of spirituality, um, you and I have had this conversation many times, but my last book was called Inviting Good In versus Edging Good Out, um, like the ego is, or Inviting God. I like to use the word God. And right. so for me, that that Iggy word of inviting good or inviting greatness or inviting God in, I, I, I uh, believe in that wholeheartedly. And I know you do as well. I'm going to talk about a few books you've referenced me on, on those topics. But what is your definition of spirituality? Um, and how do you incorporate that into the wonderful life that you and Barbara and your family have created over the years? Well, uh, uh, it's interesting. I was doing an interview for someone about Mark Victor Hansen yesterday. And they asked me, what influence has Mark Victor Hansen had on your life? And I said, well, when I began speaking, I went to this big seminar and Mark Victor Hansen was speaking. So I went up to him afterwards and, you know, we're in the same business and we're chatting away. And I said, and I always ask this, what book would you recommend? Uh, I do this with everybody. He said, well, uh, in spirituality, it was sort of like a spiritual seminar. He said, well, I was just going to recommend one. It would be Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox. And that led me to, I went got the book, yes. Yeah, I read the book. I said, I read everything that Emmett ever wrote. I read it five or 10 times. Beautiful. Many people have said that Sermon on the Mount, if you're going to be cast off in a desert island and you could only have one book, and that would be my it would be Sermon on the Mount. And I've given this book to millionaires and billionaires and they've ended up buying boxfuls of them and giving them to all of their friends. But Sermon on the Mount, I think, is the greatest spiritual book uh, of all. And because it basically talks about the spiritual principles and inner development and inner growth and trusting to a higher power and um, taking good care of the people in your life. Just you can't you don't know where to start or end when you describe it. But then there are many others. There are wonderful books that Emmett has written. And then there's books written by Emmett Fox, uh, by um, uh, Ernest Holmes. Mm -hmm. um, and there's books written by um, uh, so many great people. And what, 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 if you're just going to read one, people who are listening to me, read Emmett Fox's Sermon on the Mount. And that will start you off. And it'll start you off on a course of spiritual development, as it did for me and Barbara, uh, that never ended. And the interesting thing is that the more you develop spiritually, the more you I get, get up every morning and read for 60 to 90 minutes in spiritual things. I did that for 25 years and it totally transformed me as a person and my life. And I practice these principles with my children and in a very, always a very healthy way and brought yeah. them up uh, to have high levels of self-confidence and and so on and yeah. barbara and i you, you know my you know barbara barbara and i are joined at the hip we both have read these same things and discussed them and believe in them and practice them and it's really wonderful it, yeah. it, it, it the, the the word the most important word that you come across is joy is what happens is spiritual development or i edging god out or inviting God in is what that does is it gives you joy. And it's the only permanent source of joy is for you to plug in to these spiritual principles and live your life in harmony with these principles. And wonderfully enough, some of the most wonderful men and women in the history of the world have spent thousands of hours studying and reading and putting this material together and all we have to do is just take it and use it. We don't have to, we say we don't have to invent the wheel. The wheel has already been invented for us. And that's been my spiritual orientation is again, I spent thousands of hours studying the principles that you studied. You know, there's, there's an expression from one of the adventure movies is we shed the same blood in the same mud. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you know that from, from, yes. from from the movie, but the but the thing is, we have uh, experienced the same principles. We've read them and discussed them and thought about them. And you just keep reading and reflecting and reading and reflecting until these ideas soak deeper and deeper and deeper into your subconscious mind, and you become a different person.
Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for those that can see it, I'm holding up the book, Emmett Fox, Sermon on the Mount. Again, Brian, you gave me this book actually back, I had December 4th, 2005. So that was 16 years ago. And you said, Steve, this is the best single volume. Once you become addicted to Emmett, you'll be a lifelong reader. Kind regards and love, Brian. Uh, and that, and I have another book that I got of his. It's called Around the Year with Emmett Fox. It's a daily reading of meditations. But that, you know, I was always very, all brought it very, very straight Catholic. And I had only one view of life. Um, and the Emmett reading and other stuff I've read by Paramahansa Yogananda or by Buddha or reading the Torah or looking at the Quran. I, I just really got became, when we talked about becoming a voracious reader and learner, I adapt that not only to my business principles, and I know as you have, also to spirituality and religion and all the great writers from all of these religious books that are some some of them thousands of years old. Um, and these uh, these readings that we have and these uh, spiritual lessons are amazing uh, that help transform our lives. And I know that you and Barbara uh, have created a great life together. I think we had a picture of you and Barbara somewhere in there. And, and I have uh, been the pleasure of knowing Barbara for many years. And she she helps radiate that light with you in, in, as well. And you guys do that great as a couple, showing what that energy can look like as a couple. And I know we're coming into end of time here, Joshua, but I wanted to, um, Brian, uh, ask you uh, as well. I didn't, I didn't want to leave the, the, uh, the readers on the, you gave us the book for the spiritual stuff, but I, I'm curious and I'm going to ask them one more question as we hang up here. But what um, on the Emmett Fox books, on your books, do you have a favorite? I'm not going to ask you who your favorite kids are, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you on your books, do you have a favorite book or two that you are of all those 90 plus that stand out for you? Most amazingly, the book that stands out the most is the book Maximum Achievement, which was the first book that I wrote, published it with uh, with uh, John Wiley and Company. And this book is, I'm sorry, Simon & Schuster. This book is considered worldwide. It's been translated worldwide. It's considered to be the very best book on personal and spiritual success ever written. And I've had people, billionaires, who've told me, they have read every single success book, everything by Emmett, by, by um, Napoleon Hill. This book is the very best book ever written on personal success. It's called Maximum Achievement. It's in 40, 50 languages. I just had, interesting, I just two weeks, two days ago, I had lunch with a gentleman who is today worth $3.4 billion. He's one of the richest people in the world. And I've had lunch with billionaires and billionaires and billionaires who have sought me out to tell me that they read this book. And they went from literally one man went from pushing a gurney in a hospital to being worth $8.6 billion, one of the richest men in the world. And he said, it was all because of this book. He said, when I read the book, I realized I could do more and I could do better than this, pushing the gurney in the hallway and other people who have become millionaires and billionaires. So does it work? Yes. I, I say the, the principles work if you will work. If you if you'll apply the principles, then you will get the results. Is I say these principles are like laws. Now a law is something that is everywhere and always true. It's not a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of wishing or hoping. It's like gravity. Gravity always works. If you drop something, it falls down. Every one of these laws are the result of years and years of study and research, and they're all laws. They're not wishes or hopes or prayers. They're things that just work all the time. And so therefore, if you practice the law, you get the result. If you don't, you don't. It's black and white. And here's one of the most amazing things I ever learned in, in my spiritual studies is, uh, Ernest Holmes said that nature is neutral. God is neutral. Is nobody decides it's going to work or not. Nature doesn't care. And that was the big shocker for me. Nature doesn't care. In other words, nature is neutral. If you do what nature says, if you follow the laws, you get the results. And it's very simple. And if you don't follow the laws, you don't get the results. But nature doesn't care. Nature's neutral. And I, think that, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was a bit offended at that. You mean, <laughs> I mean, all the powers of the universe don't care about me? No, they're busy just organizing the principles, 
follow the principle, get the result. And as a result, you know, I, I remember when I started off work washing dishes and my goal, my goal was to become a millionaire. All I wanted to do was become a millionaire. And I've written a book called Success Secrets of Self-Made Millionaires. And countless people have read that book, Become Millionaires. <laughs> it just They come up to me in my seminars. I recorded it onto a one-hour CD. And what they do is they listen to it all the time. They listen to it. And one gentleman came to me and said, I, I listen to it every day, every day, every day for a year. And I went from rags. I was a millionaire. I passed the million. I had to declare it on my taxes. I was worth more than a million dollars. I couldn't believe it. And so here's what I learned. I said, the, earning the first million requires a total transition of your thinking. It's very, very difficult. But the second million is almost automatic because you're already, you're now the person who knows how to earn a million dollars. And if you lost all your money, you'd earn it all back again and far faster because you, you learned how. And so therefore, remember, it's the first million is hard. The second million is inevitable. And then this third million is even more inevitable. It's the most wonderful damn discovery in history. But the first one is where most people quit. 80% of people are just spinning their wheels. They, they give up. They quit. They put in half an effort. They make excuses. They blame other people. They watch television. They play on the internet. I said, I hear this. I said, this iPhone it will make you rich or make you poor. It'll make you rich if you put it in a drawer and only use it briefly and quickly. It'll make you poor if you take it out and play with it all the time. I say, television will make you rich or make you poor. It'll make you rich if you turn it off and do something important to read, learn, spend time with your family, or it'll make you uh, poor if you turn it on and watch it. So every day you come home, and you say, there's my failure machine. As I go to turn on my failure machine, and that will guarantee that I will fail. The average poor person watches seven hours of television a day. Average person in the bottom 80% watches seven hours of television a day. Average rich person reads watches one hour. What they do is they watch one hour at the end of the day, kind of to wind down and so on. And they watch one of the episodes from one of the series on Netflix. And then they go to bed. They go to bed early and they get up early. Average rich person gets up at 6 a.m. Average poor person gets up at 7, 30, 8 o'clock. And so, and this is based on exhaustive research. I did a book called Millionaires and Billionaires and uh, Success Secrets of Millionaires and Billionaires and How You Can Be One Too. And what I did is I just read all the research that everybody else has done and I put it all together. And it basically says you want to be want to be rich, do what rich people do. If you want to be poor, do what poor people do. Actually, you can become poor by just not doing what rich people do. Right, that's that will, true. That will guarantee that you will work and work year after year, you know, struggle and struggle. You'll be out of money all the time. Or you can just become rich. <laughs> and you choose. You decide. You choose. That's what you said. You, get, you take responsibility. You choose. The universe, Mother Nature and God doesn't care, but they cared enough in the beginning to create the systems and the process so they work. So they, they created this whole ecosystem out of love and power and energy. And then you said we get to we get to manifest and it's a blank canvas, but all of the colors, if you put red on, it's red. If you put yellow, it's yellow. If you put green, it's green. So these universal laws for you, Brian, not only have created success and abundance, but it's also created joy. I love that you were talking earlier about creating joy because you do help people make more money. You do help people become more successful. But you also taught me early on in my life that life is not just about money and uh, zeros behind your name. It's about what you contribute and what you do and creating abundance and joy and wealth is all, wealth in all those areas of your life. And that's why you have done a wonderful job of pulling that all together. So as we wrap up here, I know we're out of time. I wanted to ask you uh, from my view and from millions and millions of people's views, knowing what your impact is on the planet here and all the many things you still have to bring to us on this planet while you're here uh, moving and shaking. I I'm curious of all the amazing things that you've accomplished in your lifetime and all the wonderful things you've done with books and writing and traveling and making money and family. Is there one thing as you're reflecting back now on things in your life that you're most proud of or something that you really think will be the legacy that you're leaving when you ever do leave this planet? Well, let me just back up and before I answer the question is Aristotle said the ultimate aim of all of human life is to be happy. Everything that we do 
is to be happy. Every single effort that we make, everything. And the only question is, does it work? Are we doing the right things? Because if we are, we're happy. It's sort of like a barometer. You can, or you can feel your pulse. How happy am I today? That'll tell you if you're living your life really well. So it doesn't mean that you need to make a lot of money, but you need to be happy. So if I say, where, where, then come back, is where is the happiness and joy in my life? And it's my marriage. As I married Barbara, we met at the university. We started talking. We went for strolls. And, uh, and then we got together. And we've been together for 44 years. And we've never been apart and never had an argument. And so that is the greatest source of happiness and joy. And then from there, we call it, it's us and them. That's what we call it. Us, Barbara and I, and them, our four children and our grandchildren. We have eight grandchildren. So all of them are happy and they practice joy and they laugh. And, and we have, we never argue. I mean, we just have such great relationships. That is the most important thing in life for me is I have a great marriage and I have beautiful children. Well, I love that. Well, that in itself is the most wonderful legacy you could be leaving. Uh, I mean, your 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 children, your grandchildren, and this path of not only how the world got to see how to follow these rules and these laws of creating success, but your children got to see that modeled. And so that that to me, if that is your legacy, is a phenomenal one and, and more important than all the others put together in, in many ways. Uh, and especially since you're bringing that higher purpose and higher essence of God and the creating joy through the principles in which have been created in this universe. So I want to thank you very much, Brian. I know we've gone ex extra time and we're going to have a, this as our as our super bonus uh, series that we'll have here. So we're going to make this a, a full-blown show for everybody to, to enjoy. You'll see the show notes underneath for those that were li listening in and viewing. We'll make sure you have links to be able to reach out to Brian on his site, briantracy.com. Uh, and we really, uh, I know I speak for the viewers and the listeners, Brian, that you have impacted so many lives around the world. There are so many people I run into or talk to uh, that know that I've read or listen or coached by you or that know you as a friend. They're like, oh, I read this book of Brian or I was in this workshop. So your uh, purpose of being here on this planet uh, and, and touching the lives, the hearts and the world in, in ways that you probably don't even know that you've done uh, is something I'm very grateful for. So thank you for all that you do for humanity and thank you all that you do for me. And thank you that you, everything you've done for our listeners and viewers today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you so much, Steve. And thank you for our friend, Joshua, who's been operating all of this equipment behind the scenes. And we thank you all. And I would just say one thing is that your potential is unlimited. There is no limit to what you can do and have and be in life. If you simply take a pad of paper and write it down and make a plan to achieve it and work on your plan every day. That's, I learned that so many decades ago. If you really want it, how do you prove if you really want something? You write it down, write it down, write it down. And whatever you write down, you program into your subconscious and then your superconscious mind. And then the powers of the universe all begin to conspire to move you towards your goal and move your goal toward you. Just like you have practiced this principle in your life and Joshua has practiced it. Everybody who practices these principles gets results out of all proportion to the efforts that they put in. Imagine just a few minutes of writing down your goals and making a list of five to 10 things you can do to do it and starting on number one and your life will change forever. Well, and on that note, you could not end on That's a drop the mic one right there. That's a boom. That's a powerful one, Mr. Tracy. So thank you everyone again for listening in on the Alchemy of Business. We will be back with other episodes in the future, but I can't imagine topping this one. Everyone uh, take these principles and make it a great day and pass it on to someone else. Thanks, everybody. And that concludes this episode of The Alchemy of Business with your host, Steve Rogers. If you found value in today's broadcast, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with friends, and leaving a review. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next Thursday for another episode. Be blessed, and see you soon.